Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. This week's guest is Connor Meaning. Connor serves as a commercial manager with Basketball Ireland. In this role, he works with existing partners of Basketball Ireland to get the most out of their sponsorship activities to deliver a clear return on investment and on objective for their businesses. He has significant experience in content marketing, social media, and public relations management, and he's a basketball lifer who has played in the Irish Super League for many years. He also just recently completed his first book, Hoops Across the Ocean, which we'll talk about in this episode. I hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Connor Meaning. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and with me this week is Connor Meany, direct from Dublin, Ireland, a good friend of mine uh, that works with Basketball Ireland, but he's got a lot of cool things going on, and I'm looking forward to everyone getting a chance to get to know him and uh, learn about what he has going, as well as the things he's done in his career. So, uh, Connor Meany, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Tim. I'm hoping, uh, I think you've had a couple of Irish people, but I'm one of the first Dublin people, am I? Yeah. So hopefully my accent's a little bit easier to understand than uh, some of the people who've come before me. <laughs> well, we've had some people might live in, in uh, Dublin in that area, like Jason Colleen and some others. But uh, but he's certainly not a native, uh, so we're we're glad that you're on. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, tell us what your current position is. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently the commercial and marketing manager for Basketball Ireland, which is the governing body for basketball on the island of Ireland in both the Republic and Northern Ireland. Um, I'm I guess a basketball lifer, sometimes described as having a life sentence. I uh, I grew up within a, a basketball family. So basketball in, in Ireland is a relatively small sport. It's probably about the sixth uh, biggest sport in the in the country. So um, my family were all heavily involved from uh, at the earliest pictures you see of me. It's like I have a basketball in my hand and uh, kind of grew up within it and always felt I was destined to work within sport in some way. So uh I did my degree in sports management here in UCD, Ireland's biggest university, and uh, initially went in and started working as a development officer, so coaching within uh, the university, trying to put in structures in place uh, for basketball to grow in the local area. And uh, it was around the time that kind of recession hit Ireland, so uh, there wasn't amazing opportunities around that time. and. I kind of went away from sport a little bit for a few years working in a school, but uh, I quickly kind of was like, every time I try and leave sport, it kind of drags me back in. So I went back and did a master's in sports and exercise management as well. And uh, eventually led me onto a path that uh, I started working in social media. So my my dissertation from my master's was around uh, the use of uh social media by national governing bodies in Ireland. That was the initial thing. And um, it was actually through that uh, dissertation that I got a job working in social media. Uh, the the job in social media fortunately had a sports element to it where um, Rabobank, who were one of the big rugby sponsors at the time, uh, I was kind of tasked with creating a lot of content for them on social media, which is brilliant. I got to do a lot of cool stuff. And again, every time I tried to kind of get away from sport, it kind of dragged me back in. So uh, even I wouldn't stop in between that kind of job on social media and Basketball Ireland, but through us, I was still able to kind of connect in with doing sponsorship and partnerships. So uh, when the Basketball Ireland job came up, uh, it was coming up to five years ago now, uh, I kind of jumped at the opportunity to both be in what I thought I was always destined to be in, but then also work in the sport that you care more about than uh, anything else. So uh, I've been here for five years. My day-to-day kind of is looking at uh, sponsorship, grant funding, partnerships, a bit of everything. It really depends on the day of the week. Tim, you you know, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts and it seems to be the, the common thing is in sports, you have to be, adaptable days you never know what you're going to be doing so 
I had people laughing at me last week. Uh, we were hosting Eurobasket qualifiers, which Ireland are just back on. And uh, I was going fixing the advertising on the LED screens with uh, one of our uh, partners. And then a couple of minutes later, getting out a ladder, running over to fix the net and uh, fixing the backboard for the cameras that were going on and then running back upstairs and dealing with some of our sponsors. So like this, it's just the nature of the beast is that you're, you're doing a bit of everything, but uh, when you love it and you're passionate about it, it, it's always fun to be involved. Well, yes, I, I think that's the one thing about this industry is that, boy, if you don't love it, you might not want to go into it. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, and especially in a role like what you're in, where you're wearing a lot of hats. And wow, what a, you know, uh, for those people who have listened to the podcast in the past, they know how much, how I'm involved with Basketball Ireland from here in West Fargo, North Dakota. But what an exciting time for uh, the sport right now. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's pretty exciting to be able to have two teams in Eurobasket. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, uh, we haven't been in Eurobasket qualifiers since 2009. So, um, there's a whole generation that missed out on that opportunity. Um, and it almost became the norm within the sport that that just wasn't something that we did, um, which is an awful thing to, to kind of get to. Um, I'm probably of that generation that missed out. Uh, I'm, I'd say a borderline international player, but like a good domestic player. And uh, for like all of my 20, well, the majority of my 20s, uh, we just didn't have a national team to even aspire to. Um, we had we got to play on select teams towards the kind of latter uh, years and, and different things. But it's a really big thing for people to be able to, to see a national team and, and aspire to kind of raise the standards that you can be at. We had kids coming up and watching. Uh, we were on national TV, which doesn't happen all the time in Ireland. And just people being able to have a pride in wearing the green jersey is something that uh, it certainly has a, a, a really powerful message to it. And um, I think it's it's not, it's not everything within the sport, but yet it's also a really important cherry on top of all the other work that goes on. And uh, Tim, in your work, you're obviously involved in, uh, across the board with our national teams. And I think one of the important things is that we're, we're constantly fighting for uh, young athletes to stay within basketball and uh, kind of we're trying to fight off some of the other sports to also want the best athletes in Ireland. And when you have a national team able to compete at the top level, it shows a pathway to young stars that they have a future within the sport. And I think that's one of the really critical things is that uh, now basketball more, more so than ever has a generation of athletes coming through in Ireland that we maybe have never had anything like before. And it's really important to show them that it's not just play underage for the national teams, then go off to America and see what happens. It's kind of, there's more to it available to them. So I think that's a really important part. And uh, it's, there's so much good happening within the sport in, in general, in terms of more kids are playing more uh, like our underage national teams, as we touched on are improving. So it, th this kind of senior national teams seem to be not the last step because there's uh, always more and more steps that we're trying to achieve, but it's a really important next step uh, to be able to kind of show that we're on the right trajectory as a sport and uh, have lots of options for, for people to, to be involved, whether that's as a, a player, coach, volunteer, sponsor, it doesn't really matter. It's all part of the same shop window. Yeah. And just for everyone listening, uh, Connor is a pretty modest guy. I mean, he's a pretty good player in Super League in Ireland, yeah. uh, you know, most recently with UCD uh, Marion and, and still playing. Uh, you're playing what Division One with them now. Is that right? I actually have briefly, I might as well be playing on the Division One team. I'm actually back playing uh, Super League this year. Uh, COVID kind of, uh, I retired two years ago. And most people in Ireland say that you're not a proper Super League player unless you've retired at least once. So uh, I retired and uh, when my second son was uh, just about to be born. And uh, I think just the past 18 months or so just sitting at home during lockdown in Ireland basketball kind of stopped for 
that's the other thing. Basketball obviously stopped for almost a full year. Um, we didn't have leagues and different things in Ireland, which is a big worry. Kids didn't get to play basketball, um, which again magnifies why these kind of things have been able to see the games on TV and everything else is so important. But when I was sitting at home, we are kind of getting in touch with some of the other guys and uh, just decided to give it one more kind of go around. It's I, I have, I've yet to find the the exercise that I'm willing to do that uh, isn't basketball. So uh, I started adding on a few pounds and decided that it was best to get it back out and on the floor while I still could. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say too, you know, the, uh, when you think about the sport itself, it, it is uh, really what I love about coming over there is getting a chance to play masters basketball, the Galway masters. I come over, uh, uh, when we don't have uh, pandemics, uh, get over and play in late October with my uh, vintage team. It's made up of half uh, American, half Irish players. Um, and, you know, as a 51 year old for me, the one thing I love about uh, going over there is that you can uh, play as hard as you want to play and go after that victory if you can get it. But everybody's going to be buds after, you know, for the most part, everybody's going to have a good time with it. And, um, you know, one thing about you getting kind of being a basketball lifer, as you mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, growing up with your family, so involved with basketball, uh, with the Federation and everything. I mean, did you play other sports when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah. We, we played everything. So, uh, my mom was actually an international swimmer. Um, so like a national champion and stuff. And, uh, so I did that, uh, for a little while, very short while I, I, was not designed to be an individual sports person training early mornings. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me, but we played Gaelic football, which is obviously the Irish sport that we have. Um, we played soccer, um, tennis a lot. Uh, our summers were always tennis growing up. So no, we, we tried to do everything. And um, as much as ba like basketball wasn't really something that it was kind of, I don't even know. I was going to say it wasn't pushed on us, but I don't even know if there was ever really a conversation around it. It was always just kind of like, when can I play? Um, but no, we love playing. We love playing other sports. It's, uh, but I'm probably a bit soft. And uh, when you when you play outdoor sports in Ireland all the time, you get tired of like hailstones and uh, like the the rain coming sideways into your face, and you're just like, actually, I might as well go indoors and uh, play this sport that I that I really enjoy. So, um, no, but we 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 tried it all. I I I still love like I love watching other sports, and I think there's basketball's imprint is is on so many sports at the moment that you can see it's going everywhere and uh it's re it's really interesting to see that dynamic as well yeah well and when you think about what you've done as you've climbed from being a kid growing up around the game to where you are now i mean who's held the ladder for you obviously your parents but who else yeah so um it's it's an interesting one that um uh, my club, um, my club is one of those, these clubs that has ended up having a lot of administrators involved in the national side of the game. So, um, like my dad is obviously the one that um, is not just my not not just my dad. He's like been one of the top administrators in basketball for, uh, for I, I don't want to say the amount of years, fifty years. Um, but he's not the only one within our club because we also have Fran Ryan, who's one of the former chair, uh, chairman of the board. And from a young age, I ended up getting involved in our own club uh, and sitting on committees with guys who had this incredible experience at a national level. And then they were applying it at the local level as well. And uh, they really empowered me to be able to go out, make decisions uh, and learn so much and be able to ask questions. Uh, so I kind of had this amazing uh, grounding in in how sports should operate because I think they often have this. It's it's a very difficult thing to do within sport, but the ability to have uh, multiple hats where you're able to kind of see how things can impact you on a local level, but also what's the greater good within what you're trying to achieve for the sport, and uh, it's something that I've definitely learned from them. In, in terms of actually outside of my immediate uh, uh, kind of center, 
John Shuttleworth is uh, one of the. He used to run the program for sports management in UCD. Um, he was originally from, I think, New Zealand, and uh, he came over and he just had this infectious uh, belief in the power of what sport could be and the need for strong administration within sport. And uh, sport gets absolutely blasted um, by people generally because most of the time you talk about sports administration it's when things have gone wrong it's not something you, you'd ever talk about when things go right really um everybody else deserves the credit when things go right and that that's uh, fair enough as well but he kind of really made me kind of believe in what i could, the sort of impact i could have if i had a career within sport and it, it, i kind of mentioned before that i kept going away from it but i think it was kind of john's impact on me kind of kept being in the back of my mind as i kept coming back to it and then it, within my actual professional career i think there's there's two people uh one is uh stephen o'leary who uh stephen ran that social media company uh it was a small boutique agency uh, that he had created himself. And um, he just, he wasn't that much older than me. Um, and yet he was so comfortable in himself that he could just empower me to go out and try things and achieve what I could. And uh, it's something that I've always kind of taken is that, and it's, I always want to kind of pay it forward is that, if you can ever empower someone who's uh, young and eager to give them the kind of structure to be successful, but then give them that leash to be able to kind of go and, and try things. And, and Stephen was really important uh, in, in my life for that sort of thing. And then when I came to Basketball Ireland, uh, Bernard O'Byrne was there and uh, was my boss for the majority of my time uh, in Basketball Ireland. And similar to that was that Bernard wasn't originally from within the sport. Um, so he quick, he was very good at, there was, we have um, on our senior executive team, there's uh, well, three of us who had played or were still playing at the top level. And he would often kind of uh, just kind of sense check things with us and uh, try and get a grasp of whether we were on the right track with certain things. We were almost the, uh, a quick straw poll for what the community might think and um i got to i got to do things again outside of my the scope of my role because of that and uh again i, I found this i i guess to sum it up was that a lot of people have held the ladder but it's also once you're willing to to really go for it and see where where things can take you people will keep uh, providing you with opportunities once they see that you're a positive person who's looking to take on challenges looking to take on learnings it's amazing how strong that ladder can seem whereas uh, i think sometimes when people are a little bit unsure of whether there's people who are opening up doors it's like okay well are you really putting yourself out there to to try and take some, uh, to to be ready for whatever opportunity is going to come well, and the investment, you know, I think that that's the thing when people look at someone who is a go-getter, someone who is willing to learn, someone who's willing to um, have, be humble, really, in growing. I think that I know from my perspective, maybe in the same way for you, too, in your current role, uh, although we're going to be talking about how you hold the ladder for others later, but, you know, when I see that from someone, I, I want to jump and I want to go grab that ladder as quickly as I can help them out. You know, it's just the way it is. And um, I, I agree with you, though, that it, it does take, you know, uh, an effort on, on the part of the person who really is trying to strive for the excellence, strive to become something that, uh, you know, maybe they've just been dreaming to become. And uh, yeah, I like I, I understand the idea that it's like, look, they, I've been fortunate that things have obviously gone my way and I've also had an aim within the industry. So I understand that there's a little bit of privilege to be able to say, oh, look, go get and like put yourself out there and think good things will happen. But the other part of it is that it doesn't necessarily have to come within the job for you to uh, show that it's like uh, someone who's never involved in digital marketing, for example, who 
may not have an opportunity within sport right now, but they can build a, a website on for, for, for next to nothing right now, just build out a portfolio and have it ready so that when that opportunity or when that question is asked of you, that you're able to say, actually, not only a, a, like, do I believe I can do it, I've already shown that I can, I am capable of doing it and I'm ready for whatever challenge you're going to put in front of me. And uh, I, I was doing something recently when, and I was asked for uh, kind of a, what advice I'd give to my 16-year-old self. And one of the things I was saying was just constantly, just as often as possible, say yes to whatever opportunities are put in front of you because you never know what door it's going to open. And it's very rare that... You're not going to say yes to something that you're going to have in your gut is the wrong decision to make. But if it's a 50-50 sort of thing, just take the opportunity and see where it's going to take you. And uh, I think there's just so many ways that people are capable of kind of putting themselves out there to to be ready for whenever those opportunities come. I agree. And it, it does lead a little bit to the next question. And obviously in the role that you have with Basketball Ireland, and uh, also a new author, which we'll be talking about Hoops Across the Ocean here in a moment. But what are some of the biggest challenges you face day to day and what you do? Um, I, look, I, I think within sports, there's probably probably three things. One is uh, and the crux of everything in any industry is just communication. It's we I don't think I think one of the reasons that sports administration doesn't have a great uh, reputation at times because we're not always the best communicators to our uh, kind of our target market or whatever else. We're we're often focused on the the macro where it's kind of like oh we need to get our message out to a wider audience and everything else. But oftentimes it's the day to day nitty gritty of the people you deal with every day on the ground that if you can get that right then everything else will build out, out, out from that. Whereas so often in sport, we're f- so focused on the big picture and uh, don't get the, the small details right. So I think that's a, a, a daily challenge that happens within sport and it certainly happens within basketball. Uh, the the second one would be the, and it kind of feeds into that same thing, is that the the dynamic between professional and uh, amateur in, in terms of, professional staff dealing with volunteers around the game and the I think that's not just a basketball Ireland thing it's not just a basketball thing it's everywhere within sport is that there's automatically different assumptions made when someone's paid to do a job and someone's volunteering uh, their time to to do a job and I think that's a really difficult line to uh, to kind of manage within sport it's how do you again empower the volunteers around the game to who are so passionate and own uh, to own parts of the game, and yet, how do you also allow your professional staff who may have a helicopter view of what's going on and who maybe have the professional uh, capabilities to deliver things? How do you marry those two things together? And I think if we have this podcast and if podcasts are still happening in 50 years time, I think that's going to still be the, I think both those two points are going to be the exact same points. And then the the third one is uh, just have a, uh, it's not really a skill, but well, maybe it is a skill. Maybe the skill is resilience, but it's having a thick skin is that you can try and do the right thing within sport all the time. And, just the nature of it is that it's not always going to be met in the way that you want it to be met. That again, because people are so passionate about it and they're so involved in things, when things aren't perfect or, or go wrong, it is the worst thing that could ever happen in their mind. And uh, sometimes it can be vitriolic and there can be a lot of challenges. We've had a tough year this past year where uh, basketball obviously wasn't able to happen in Ireland, but it was not a basketball Ireland decision. It was a government decision where we were kind of having to be the messenger and it can be very challenging dealing with people who are irate about that sort of stuff and questioning uh, like uh, you as staff of of what you're doing and different things all over something that you're not able to control. And uh, one of the hard parts I think of, it's great being able to work in something that you're really passionate about and you have given a lot of your life to but that's also a big challenge in terms of being able to shut off from it. It's not something that if I work for a random computer software company, 
on Friday at five o'clock if there's an issue. I don't care at five past five because I'm on my way to whatever else I'm on to. But oftentimes when things go wrong within our sport, either I'm talking to my friends or family who are involved in the sport or I'm going to an event that weekend myself to play, coach, uh, watch, whatever it might be. And you, you find it harder to escape. So I think having that thick skin is uh, is, is a tough part because uh, it, it's definitely a skill that you need. Yeah, well, and the, when I think about the challenges, and of course for you, you're so completely surrounded with basketball, right? I mean, you know, uh, it's something that's uh, been part of your existence since since you're a little boy. And, uh, you know, I know one of the challenges in – I mean, I guess a question I would have is, uh, is it a challenge to, to, well, how do I put this? Is it a challenge to work in a sport you love so much and, and keep and keep it all in perspective, I guess, in other words, you're not, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't know how I'm trying to answer, or ask this question, but you've been involved in the sport for a long time. Is it easy to stay objective about, about it, uh, what you do? I mean, as far um, as yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I understand where you're you're, you're going with it. Um, at times, at times, it is a challenge. Uh, like it, it definitely is. I think going back to something I was talking about earlier on is when I dealing with kind of Fran and my dad was that they had that ability to have these multiple hats and be able to see what what the greater good or the national good was aside from our own individual club and. Um, so I, I always had that kind of bred into me, this idea that, look, what we're trying to do is we're trying to win or whatever else on a local level, but we're trying to do it the right way or we're trying to do it in the way that the sport really should be aiming to achieve things and things. But um, I, I think for me, the perspective challenge is often that um, the good the good is often not as good as you think it would be because you almost have that expectation that, well, this is what we should be doing anyway. And this is what like, we're, like this is what our sport deserves. And you just kind of take it for granted that it happens. And the bad sometimes can seem like it's the worst thing in the world. Um, I, I, I quickly kind of, I, I, I used to be very active on Twitter uh, myself and I, I left Twitter about, so two or three years ago and it was because I was just kind of when things weren't right I would search out what people were saying and I'd see one or two things and I know the people directly I like have a relationship with them uh, like I'm friends with them often and I'm seeing them talk about something that is just kind of like it would grate at me and kind of not upset me but it would just be like uh and I found that kind of hard to keep that perspective so I just kind of learned to to try and step away from this as much as possible and not put myself in that situation but um and then also one of the things that naturally evolved and it naturally evolves over time anyway I think is that um as I was getting closer to retiring from playing I think when you're younger you identify yourself as a basketball player first and then everything else after that uh, or a basketball person first and everything else after that. And uh, over the last couple of years, I've kind of moved away from that a, a lot because I've got two boys. Uh, my closest friends, uh, some of them are guys who've played basketball in the past, but realistically, they don't really care what's going on within basketball all the time. It's not the epicenter of everyone's life. And it's almost a good thing that a lot of the, the people knew to kind of look, I'm going for a beer. I don't really want to talk about what's going on within basketball. And they kind of know that. And we quickly move on to other things. So um, I think over time, you develop that perspective. But it, it was it, it's certainly a challenge early on where you're just kind of everything is magnified and you're, you're, you, you're hyper aware of everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, I know for me, it, because I've been involved, you know, I've been involved with the game, for, gosh, nearly 40 years now. and um, in some way, shape or form. And I know that for me, it's, it's many times it's hard for me to, you know, to separate. And I think when it got to the point where uh, the older I've gotten, the, the easier it's become 
uh, it's uh, because I'm looking at it uh, more as a gift, really, to have the sport in my life as opposed yeah. to just being the business of it. You know, I think that that's the big thing. And um, now, when regarding uh, if you've got somebody that's coming in and it's going to do like an internship with you, for instance, as an example, uh, you know, what what skill would you ask? what would you want out of them in terms of their skills? I mean, what were the things that you would want if somebody were to come in and say, Hey, Connor, I want to be your intern. What would you say? Uh, these are the skills I'm looking for, for my intern. Um, I think an openness to learn is just the, the, the biggest thing. It's uh, I, I don't know everything about what's going on in basketball or in within basketball Ireland today myself. And, uh, I learn things all the time from colleagues, from people outside of our organization, everywhere. And uh, I think one of the things that we struggle with in general uh, is that we being like everybody, not Basketball Ireland again, is that oftentimes people can come into organizations or come into opportunities and have a very set idea of how things should happen themselves. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if if in your lifetime you can develop the skill that you're the first thing you ever do going into an organization is to listen first and then develop out everything else after that you'll go everywhere in life because you go into any organization and say okay like what's going on here you'll then quickly figure out where you can add value and where you can kind of develop a little uh, niche for yourself and really add value to the organization. Whereas if you come in with a set mindset of, I'm good at doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm gonna show everybody that this is what I can contribute. It's kind of, there's very, it's very rare that there's gonna be a situation that needs your exact skill set at an exact set of time. And they're gonna need you to come in and do something straight away. And that's gonna solve all their problems. Our egocentric part of our our minds would say that that's what's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to be the savior who's going to come in and help an organization at whatever level it is. But if you can just flip that and just be like, I want to learn and I want to find out how I can help. I think that's more important than any other skill that you're going to have. Um, because once you have that willingness, everything else builds upon that. It, that's Communication skills will build upon that. Everything else will, will, will build upon that. And uh, I don't think it's something that a lot of people have, unfortunately. I think a lot of people would come at it the other way of uh, make trying to get an organization to adapt to, it, to themselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that I think that's interesting you bring that up because I, I do... I think it's changed a lot through the years. I, I think especially these days it's changed. And and I do think that what you're talking about also leads to the next question. And it's regarding networking. And when you're looking at positions out there, I mean, you know, I think every one of us have gotten positions by God's good graces or just a whole lot of luck, <laughs> you know, but a lot of us have got them because of people we got to meet, got to know, um, and uh, which obviously helps them say, hey, look, this person is interested in doing this for our organization. They're willing to adapt to what we need. Let's bring them on. So how important is networking in the field of sport and how do you approach it? Yeah, it, it's critical because um, obviously I'm coming from <laughs> A small country with a small uh, sporting landscape with a lot of uh, prof sports professionals that uh, I know people in, I'd imagine, every sports organization in the country. Uh, I know at least one person directly who I can talk to. Um, so it's absolutely critical. Um, you, you again, you, you learn so much from each other, even uh, like as years go by, it's it's. It's amazing. So, so often, I think sports organizations work in silos where they're almost, they see themselves as competitors against each other, but really you're all trying to achieve the same sort of things. And you're often not really competing against, like I'm not competing against uh, gymnastics. Like, yes, there's a couple of kids in the country who might have an interest in both gymnastics and basketball and fighting. They're going to decide on one of those, but that's really 
not a reason for me not to want to work closely with Gymnastics Ireland or any or any you know, other organization like that. Um, so I think it's really important. How do I approach it? Um, there's a couple of things. So I think <laughs> number one is just try and be a good person. Um, it's like you you never know who you're dealing with or who they know. Um, so whether it's someone kind of just asking for a favor or someone who's kind of you're uh, like you come across at an event that you, you may not know or whatever else is, just try and be a decent person, listen to what they have to say, uh, uh, just have those conversations and you never know where it's going to take you. You never know who, who that person is or, or what door that could potentially open up. It's, it, it really is incredible. I talked about Stephen O'Leary being important uh, in the past. I met Stephen at a, he played basketball very briefly uh, when he was in college, but I met him at a sponsorship event and uh, got, got talking to him briefly. And it was two years later that uh, I got a job uh, from him where he contacted me on social media and where we just stayed in touch and he was kind of like, look, I, I've seen what you've been, uh, you were talking about with your dissertation. This might be of interest to you. So it's just, you never know where things are. So the first thing is kind of be a good person. The other one, um, and I know that you have some students and things that listen to this is that um, we got a piece of advice when I was in college. Um, I can't remember if it was my degree or my master's, but, um, and it was just like, we had one of the top uh, golf uh, people in the country was coming in to, um, to speak to us. And he, uh, he was, we were forewarned by the, the person, he was coming in as a guest speaker. We were forewarned as like, one of the things that he asks is what do you know about me? He's like, this is a thing that he does. And it's like, okay, so, that's all that we were told. Next day, guy comes in. I was, I think, the sixth person that he asked on the spot, what do you know about me? First five people had no clue. They hadn't taken like the little bit of the, the 30 seconds to Google it uh, when they got home. Whereas when he got to me, I was able to kind of answer a few questions. Uh, and then the, so automatically I made it kind of a, a name for myself where he knew who I was. And then the second piece of advice that uh, I got when I was in college, and this is the critical one for everybody, is that it's like any time a guest speaker comes into your class or whatever else, nearly every single time they put up an email address that's just like, here, if anyone has any questions for me, just send them on to me. 95% of the class will never take that email address. All you got to do is send an email uh, from your personal account that just says, Tim, thanks a million for coming in to speak to our class. Really appreciate your time today. Um, I found it really interesting. I'm interested in X and Y, but best luck in the future. Don't ask them for anything. Just say, thank you for your time. You never know that a year later, I can reply to that same email and just be like, oh, by the way, uh, I'm now doing this or uh, whatever else it might be. And you never know again, what, like these people are coming in as guest speakers for a good reason. They're involved in the industry. They have a lot of contacts themselves. And it's incredible to me that it goes back to this idea that we were talking about earlier when people hold the ladder for you, being ready for those opportunities. There's so many things like that that are available to people that it's incredible to me how few people actually just send a message and, and, and do it. And I, I actually was a guest speaker uh, from my old course earlier in the year and I said I said the piece of advice and I said look find me on LinkedIn or whatever else and connect with me and I, uh, I was really happy that I think out of a class of maybe 25 uh, there I think I got 12 or uh, 12 or so of them which is a good a good return uh, kind of connected in with me and just said look thanks a million for coming and it's it's such a simple thing to do and it sets for everything else coming after it, I think. Yeah, I wanted to spring that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, regarding the whole email, because I'll do presentations and I'll 
I'll put my email out there and then I've, people won't reach out to me or even in the podcast, I'll say, hey, go look at the show notes and check out uh, their contact information. Reach out to them because they're interested in hearing from you. And then they, no one does it like uh, or not no one, I guess, but uh, not enough. I think that it's uh, I believe that it takes a special kind of person in this industry who's willing to maybe be uncomfortable in making the ask would you agree with that yeah it's uh yeah i know i i would i i i think within sport you have to be willing to put yourself out there at times and that is uncomfortable i no matter who who a person is there's always like people can seem confident in a lot of things that they do but there's always a level of uncomfortable as to when you uh when you when you do that sort of thing so i, I definitely think that's a, a thing and it's actually also in a wider sports context i think it's really interesting as well in that um going back to the what i was talking about Eurobasket earlier on of the doing the leds and then going like fixing the, the nets and stuff i think there's a level of um being willing to be humble and just not worried about your own ego when you're involved in sport that is really critical because I know that uh, one of the challenges that exists in sport at times is that when you have people who've come through a sport and then working within that same industry, because they have so many people that they're connected to, they don't want to be seen at times to do the, the grunt work, the kind of the, the stuff that isn't the most glamorous and, when people t- think of sport as an industry, it's often like, oh, Super Bowl, all these sort of things, all these nice things. That's not what sport is. Like, the only reason that there is nice stuff is because there's a lot of grunt work uh, behind it. And uh, I think going back to your uncomfortable part is there has to, like, uh, I know you're kind of, you're, you're going to look for advice for people in general, but it's just being willing to be uncomfortable to, to put yourself in those positions to kind of achieve things. At, and that's great advice because that is the one thing. And, and I, I wonder sometimes, uh, you know, communication, obviously, we have so many different mediums in communication now, uh, uh, whether it's email, which is becoming like dinosaur-esque. <laughs> think about that it's becoming like the the way of the dinosaur now like email like i, I i'm an online college professor and and folks are like ah you know especially the younger students yeah they don't you know you can text me dr rice and i'm like eh, you know there's such a difference and but i i think that being able to communicate and being able really to being able to know what the person you're trying to i don't know provide value to needs and what they're looking for because that's the one thing for me is that through all these years you know i've said this on podcast a couple times i think i i you know i could have a master's degree in internships you know like over a thousand hours of internships with my master's my doctoral degree and all the the volunteer work but you know being willing to like you said to do the grunt work, get your hands dirty, get into the mud really and, and digging out and trying to do the best you can to make it all go. You know, it's being a college basketball coach over here and being a head coach for five years in the United States. You know, when I was a kid, I always had the dream of becoming a head coach because of the glitz and the glamour that I thought existed with it. I'm not saying it doesn't, but for the most part, it, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's, part of you know it's just a sport and and people are working really hard to do it and so i completely agree with uh, what you just said and i appreciate uh, you offering that advice um for really i mean everything you've said over the last five minutes is absolutely uh, critical for someone who's getting started in the in a career in sport um so last question before we talk about the book um how do you hold hold the ladder for others yeah, I I think it's it's something that I kind of hold important to me. Um, one of the one of the things that was said to me a couple of years ago by uh, a manager I had was that uh, if if the person if I hadn't kind of outgrown the position that I was in or was looking for wasn't looking for change within like three or four years that they had failed, and that it was this idea that they wanted to give me the every opportunity to 
outgrow what I was doing, keep developing, keep looking for more, keep kind of, I think they recognized the fact that I always wanted new challenges and things. So uh, in terms of holding the ladder for others, I think I find it important to make myself available for anyone who is interested in, in the kind of industry that we're involved in. I, I go back and I, I talk to my own uh, previous course, but even our younger staff within, uh, within basketball, it's, I find it important to kind of give them, uh, and we'll talk about this word, it's critical to me when we talk about the book, but I think giving them context into the, what they're coming into and how, how they can really thrive themselves. Um, because realistically within sport, we're not, uh, we're not in an industry that someone's going to come into a job and work for 40 years and retire in that job. That's not, that's not what uh, sport is. Um, Sport is just the nature of it and the dynamic of it is that there's going to be a lot of change quite regularly, different skill sets coming in and out, different people kind of trying to help each other uh, fill gaps and different things. And I think within sport, our, my own perspective within it would be that I've been around it for a couple of years, not that long, but long enough to see what's going on and been willing to kind of help guide people as they come into an organization or even if they've been there for a while of how to have their best version uh, within the organization is something that's important to me so um i think that's that's kind of the key thing that i'm able to to provide is just that context of like how do you how do you thrive yourself and if you're not happy or you're not thriving yourself what can be done to kind of uh, try and fix that situation that's not necessarily oh, I need to change job or I need to do whatever else. It's like, how do you give yourself the opportunity to succeed? And like we were talking about, there's opportunities everywhere. Um, there's opportunities within every job. Um, so it's just, how do you, again, put yourself forward in those opportunities so that it may seem like a small, trivial thing at the moment, but in two years' time, having something that you've added on to your uh, skill set or your, your CV could be critical to you and you never know what door it would open. So... I think that would always be my thing of just trying to show people that um, show people that there's so much that they can kind of achieve themselves. Um, and that's the way I like to think about it. Yes. I also think that the investment, like the thing I love about what I do, it, whether it's, you know, helping out with uh, the students I work with here in the United States, uh, my former players are now coaching here in the United States or, all of my students are doing other things, but also in Ireland and uh, in Moldova, where I do a little bit of work as well, is the investment piece, you know, and I think being willing to do something because you want to help someone out. And, you know, I take it back all the way to the people that held the ladder for me. I'm sure that's the same thing for you because you got all these people that did that for you. And, uh, you know, the whole pay it forward mindset, uh, really is uh, what we should be doing. And I think it's great that you went back uh, and talked to your former, you know, to the course that you went through, uh, the students that are in it now. Um, I, I, it makes a difference. I know I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of that. And um, I just think it's fun to have the experiences that I've had. And of course, in your case, the ones you've had, uh, which includes writing a book. So um, I'd like you to share a little bit about your book that just came out this week, Hoops Across the Ocean. And really with, we talked about Eurobasket and Irish basketball, you know, getting back to Eurobasket. Really, Hoops Across the Ocean kind of talks a little bit about where Irish basketball, the national team came from and where it ended up. And now we're back to it uh, again. So talk a little bit about the book. Yeah, so... Um... <laughs> Uh, I think some of your listeners are going to be like, how is this guy not going to to find another hobby that is not basketball, <laughs> Irish basketball? But uh, yeah, so lockdown came in Ireland uh, and I needed something to occupy my mind. So um, where it originally came from was um, I actually was going to look at some short stories within Irish basketball that my my dad's generation, um, he's not on his way out yet. He's only 70, but uh 
we're at a stage where we have the potential to lose a lot of really important knowledge and, and uh, kind of stories within our game um, if they're not documented pretty well uh, in the next couple of years. So we have in Ireland one fantastic book, Kieran Shannon, who uh, you had on, on your podcast before, one of the early episodes. And Kieran did a great job of telling the, uh, the story of Irish basketball in the 80s when it kind of was a, like a pop culture phenomenon here in Ireland. Um, but the domestic game has been well told, but nothing else has. And uh, Ireland has a unique history with a new unique connection with America, obviously through uh, emigration and different things that there's a huge Irish American diaspora over there. And what this book is looking at is um, two things. One is Irish people going over to the States and trying to make it over there in the wider basketball world than uh, kind of the, the our, our kind of environment here. And then the second part was that from the kind of early 80s up until 2009, we we leaned heavily on Irish America for, for recruitment purposes. So we brought in a lot of guys to, to play for our national team to try and help us uh, to, to grow into a more competitive uh, national team. And um, when I was a kid, I, I used to go watch uh, the team play. And back then we didn't see like today in Ireland kids know what what Steph Curry did last night they know what happened in Barcelona last night because they can see it all on their phone they can see it so easily but back in the early 90s we had no idea of whoever was coming to to Ireland we we might see one NBA game a year or something like that on TV there was there was very little so these guys came over and we didn't know who they were really we just knew that they were good at basketball and as a result, I don't think we hold them in the right regard historically within uh, Ireland. So I wanted to look at who these guys were, what they did in their careers, why they wanted to help Ireland at all, whether it was just um, for their own professional careers or what was the motivations. So uh, that's what it kind of started out. And uh, it's it ended up just documenting from a sports development uh, point of view, it's quite interesting because it looks at uh, a country with limited resources and a path they took to try and elevate the sport. And uh, it came with really positive outcomes on the floor, but at the same time, it didn't have only positive outcomes because it neglected the domestic game at times and the domestic community were a little bit kind of maligned a little bit because they the people who were homegrown and developed didn't get the same opportunities to represent their country uh, as they maybe could have. Uh, it got to a stage in 2005 where Ireland played two games that had no Irish developed players on the team, which is kind of incredible to think of. So uh, it looks at, yeah, it, it's basically looking at this whole issue of how do you raise yourselves up um, and then how do you do it with limited resources? Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that. And where, where can uh, the listeners find your book? Uh, so the easiest way to go about it, particularly for anyone in the States, is just to go on Amazon and look for hoopsacrosstheocean.com or Hoops Across the Ocean. They're able to get it on uh, paperback or uh, as an ebook. There's also a website, which is hoopsacrosstheocean.com. So on that, I have uh video content player profiles uh, of some of the top guys so we had three former nba players who played for ireland uh like their careers and things and uh anyone who if there's anyone listening in ireland they're able to buy the book directly uh through through that side as well so um no it's look it, it was something that i I wanted to explore and I'm glad I have done it. Um, I think Irish people are going to learn quite a lot about, um, as I said earlier on, context is a big thing for me. Uh, I think you can only really know where you're going now by knowing what's come before you. And that's not, that doesn't mean, <laughs> it's an interesting one because when it comes to Kieran Shannon's book, there's a, my generation of players sometimes feel that people genuflect to the 80s and that that's the only thing that was ever important within Ireland. But 
I, I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm just talking about it's important to understand what has happened and what people have done to try and further the sport over the years. Um, just so that when we're continuing to try and strive for that moving forward, that we, we understand that we're not, there isn't an arrogance to say that we're only starting it today and we're trying to uh, grow the sport. Yeah. Well, both, both, uh, and of course I have to read your book, but uh, I've read Kieran's book, but I'd be like, I think just that having historical context, like you said, but, it should be something that's celebrated, you know, honestly. And I, and I think, I know for me, basketball, Irish basketball is important to me right here in West Fargo, North Dakota of all places. Uh, it's impacted my life in a great way. And um, I'm sure that uh, your book is going to make a huge difference. And as far as just even maybe being that, that, that next uh, piece of literature, if you will, uh, that will maybe inspire the next person there we say holding a ladder for the next writer <laughs> yeah <laughs> as, well your dad right and look it's i think one of the last lines of the preface of the book is like it's and i've said it before to other people is that uh like i don't have a writing background i took up this challenge because i saw that there is a need for it and my again my philosophy has always been whatever your skill set that you can contribute something to the wider uh, game or it doesn't have to just be basketball whatever you can contribute to in general contribute it so if that means you're good at coaching kids go coach kids do it and do it to the best of your ability if that means you're good at like art design a flyer or whatever else it might be so that people know about what's going on whatever the skill set is so uh within the thing i said like i'm well aware that i'm so close to it that there's going to be people who read it and say, okay, well, you could have done X, Y, or Z. And it's like, absolutely, go tell it yourself. I, I'm excited for, this is my contribution for it. And if if nothing else, and it inspires somebody else to add their chapter to our history, absolutely fantastic. And if, uh, obviously, I don't want people to be, uh, to say, okay, well, you, you got X, Y, or Z, um, you should have done it this way. If, if that's the response that leads and it leads to a conversation around our history and we all learn more about our history and we are able to do even more uh, moving forward, then that's success as well. So um, I, I, I definitely, it's, it's a hard one. When you're not from that world, you have imposter syndrome, but I'm also, now that it's finally out, I'm pretty satisfied that it's there. I think it's a piece of work that people will enjoy. There's fascinating stories from Irish players who were teammates of Magic Johnson to guys who played on Final Four teams at North Carolina to uh, like the 17th pick in the 1999 NBA draft playing for Ireland. Like there's loads of stuff there that people will enjoy, but I think there's probably an underlying message within it that I, I think people particularly close to sports development will, will, will find interesting. You use the word contribute or contribute rather a contribution and i do think that that is truly uh, what ladder holding is all about you know and and providing maybe a, a building block or, or something that somebody else can can grow from and you know it's uh it's really neat to be able to uh see even over the last five or six years where where the sport has gone in ireland and and I appreciate your contribution to it, uh, not only as a player, but what you're doing within Basketball Ireland, obviously with the book as well. Um, so, Connor, thank you for being a guest this week. Uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts? And how would you like to close? Um, no, it's look. Thank you for thank you for having me. Um, it's it's probably something that we don't do enough of reflect on our own kind of careers and uh, see how things are happening. Uh, the concept of holding the ladder is an interesting one that I probably haven't stepped back and even thought that much about the different people who have helped me. Um, and it is something that you probably have to be more grateful as it's, as it's happening. Um, but I, I think the underlying thing that in our conversation has come out so far is just like, and it, it may be simplistic, but it's... Uh, just be try and be ready for opportunities and be a good person and things will happen for you. And 
Uh, that's not promising that it's going to be within the sport industry. If, uh, who knows where it's going to be? But if you can have that mentality that you're willing to do hard work, be a good person, and be ready for opportunities, something good's going to happen uh, e either way. So uh, I take that as the main thing, and then obviously get the book for a stocking filler this Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely, and we'll make sure that uh, uh, in the show notes that the Amazon link is there as well as the web page. Uh, for the book and um, Connor Meany, we thank you so much for being a guest this week and uh, we wish you nothing but the best with the book as well as uh, what's coming up with your job with basketball Ireland um, you know a lot of uh, really over the next five six months nine months it's going to be kind of neat to see uh, how our teams do in uh, early stages and was uh, very promising so thank you so much thanks you bet Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. We look forward to seeing you this next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. And until next week, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.